This week on I'll Watch This As An Adult Movie Reviews, I will be reviewing the first episode of Loki Season 2, and also we'll be reviewing the 1988 horror comedy Elvira, Mistress of the Dark. Hello? We have a little bit of a situation we wanted to run by you. Mobius! Wow! Great to see you again! <laughs> that, that's what's been happening. Wow. Time slipping. Wait, time, you know that? Yeah. You've seen that? Yeah. Can you fix that? No. It's impossible to time slip in the TVA. I know, but we just saw it happen. Yeah. I've been pulled through time between the past and the present. Hello? If what I saw is true, there's nothing to stand between this world and utter destruction. Only one way to find out. A little good old-fashioned legwork. Listen, we have different styles. You're a man of action, which is fine. I take a more slow, deliberate, cerebral approach really goodbye. It's up to us to save this place. Is this cracked? Yes, it. Whatever we do, we're playing God. We are gods. Who lives and who dies? Make the hard choice. It's him. You better run! War is on its way. Come on, you're the god of mischief. Always have been, always will be. over the top, don't you think? I thought it was spot on. And welcome to I Watch This As An Adult Movie Reviews. I'm your host, Mikhail Ford. Uh, we got two reviews Today, I'm going back to two reviews. I was I was doing one review uh, as of late. Now we're going back to two. We're going to be doing these twos again. Uh, especially um, with what is going on now. Um, I'm here to talk about the first episode of Loki Season 2. Now, I had my thoughts in my head about what I thought... That doesn't even make any sense. I have my thoughts in my head <laughs> about Loki season two uh, because I don't know. Because I I did review Loki season one. I reviewed Loki season one like when it came out like a while ago. I reviewed it and I didn't I didn't care for it too much. It wasn't 
my cup of tea. I didn't care for it. I think because like it came after um, Falcon and the Winter Soldier, which I think that was a phenomenal show. It came after WandaVision, which I, another show that I thought was pretty phenomenal until the end. That ending was kind of, I don't know. But, um, <laughs> but uh, that ending was kind of lacking. But for the most part, that show was a pretty damn good show. Uh, Falcon and the Winter Soldier, pretty damn good show. I enjoyed that show. Can't wait for Captain America, Brave New World. I can't wait to see what that's going to be. Um, but look, we got Loki season two. Uh, the first season of Loki was pretty much setting up Kang the Conqueror. We finally saw Kang the Conqueror in Ant Man and the Wasp Quantum Mania wasn't really all that impressed with him you know i'm not tripping like the way that other people are tripping about him there's people like oh he got beat by ants he's a weak villain i don't think he's a weak villain i just don't think that they put a lot of effort into him i don't think they put a lot of effort into him they didn't put a lot of effort into him like they did with thanos uh like thanos they got you they got you prepared for him. They got you prepared for, for Thanos. They got you prepared for Thanos since the ver- first Avengers movie. They spent a good, what, seven, eight years getting you prepared for Thanos. So they're not they're not really doing that with Kane the Conqueror and especially with the legal problems that Jonathan Majors is having now. It's kind of difficult. I think John the Major said that he shot a, he shot a bunch of stuff before this happened, before like his legal issues happened. Uh, so and then like this like this like this hopscotch, just like are they gonna keep him as Kang? Are they, are they not gonna keep him as Kang? Because uh, we don't know. Because the trial is still going on, you know, <laughs> for his domestic abuse. Uh, his domestic abuse trial is still going on, and. They're, they're kind of on eggshells about whether they want to whether they want to continue using him or not. He's he's in the trailer for Loki season two, so obviously they used him for this. But uh, it's it's been a it's been a it's been a shaky start for King the Conqueror. Let's say that it's been a shaky start. Uh, I like the way Loki season one ended. I like the way it ended with um, Sylvie killing the man. I forgot. I forgot. I forgot what he calls himself, and he's uh, in the comics too. Because Kang uh, comes in all—if you saw the end of Quantum Mania, like he comes in all different forms. But I forgot what he's called. What that what that version of Kang was called. But like she killed that one, and then you see that uh, Kang took over the TVA at the end of Loki season one. And we start off with that. That's where we start off. We start where we left off, which I like that we start where we left off. Loki, uh, going back to that time frame where uh, Kang rules the TVA. Uh, Mobius uh, doesn't know who he is. You know, and it's a, it's a, it's a, I'm going to say it. It's a very good start to the season. Very, very good start to the season. 
Um, I like the uh, this show has a different feel to it than the other Marvel shows. Um, it kind of had a different feel. I think I'm getting used to it. I think that's what it is. Cause coming off of uh, Falcon and the Winter Soldier, coming off some of the MCU movies where it's just like, you know, business as usual, the same stuff going on. This is something new. This is the diversity that Marvel needs. Uh, and I can't believe I'm saying it with Loki. Loki's my least favorite character in the MCU. I can't stand Loki, but Loki is the character that's kind of hitting it out of the park right now. Um, like the show kind of has like this Doctor Who element to it. Not, and I'm not even a fan of Doctor Who. I'm not a Doctor Who fan. I tried to watch a season of Doctor Who. I watched like a whole season of Doctor Who just to try to get into it, and I was not feeling it. I think it was the David Tennant season I was watching. I think I was watching the David Tennant season and was not, it was not my cup of tea. I think I was just like, I was like, yeah, I'm nerdy, but I ain't this nerdy. <laughs> you know, like, I, mean, I think I learned my, I think I learned my level of nerdism, nerdism, excuse me. Uh, I, I learned my level and I'm not Doctor Who nerdy. I'm not Doctor Who geeky. You know, <laughs> I'm Marvel geeky. Um, even like Power Rangers geeky, but I'm not Doctor Who geeky. Um, but yeah, like it does have that Doctor Who feel. Uh, we got everybody, we got everybody back, plus some new characters. I'm gonna talk about those new characters in a little bit, but let's talk about the the characters from last season. Of course, Loki played by Tom Hiddleston is back. Uh, he's got a new. A new symptom, a new problem that has been happening to him. Like he's doing this thing called time slipping, where I don't know if it's a result of him uh, being in that universe that he was in at the at the end of season one, or what. We we don't know yet, but he's been he's been doing something called time slipping, which means like he's been he's been getting pulled. He's been getting pulled to other dimensions. He's been getting pulled to other time frames. So it's like, hey, I like the way that uh, Mobius uh, describes it because he sees it. And he's just like, it's like he's being born and dying at the same time. And like, I was like, oh, wow. I was like, that's a good analogy. <laughs> I said that as I was watching. I was like, that's a good analogy. I was like, he's being, it looks like he's being born and dying at the same time. It looks pretty fucking cool. I'm not gonna lie. Looks pretty freaking awesome. Um, it's it's probably painful to him, but it looks cool. I love I love the special effect of him time slipping. It looks awesome. Uh, but Mobius is back. Uh, played by Owen Wilson. Uh, we got uh. We got Ravenna Runslayer back, played by Google Mbata Raw. She she's not really a factor in this episode. She's in it, but she's not really in it. We're probably gonna see what uh probably gonna see what Ravana does as the season goes along. Um we got uh Wumi uh Masoku uh back 
as a the one of the TVA agents. Uh, love looking at her. I love. I, I I fell in love with her in like Lovecraft Country. I think I talked about her in Lovecraft Country, but I'm not sure because that was something that uh that was something that me and my wife were talking about when we were still together. Me and my wife were still together. We were talking about Lovecraft Country, so I probably didn't talk about how much I have a crush on Wunmei Masoko. <laughs> you know, like, I think she's a, I think she's a gorgeous woman. A uh, gorgeous, buxom woman. Uh, you know. <laughs> but yeah, man. Um, yeah, but like, I love her. She's, she's, she's good in this. Um, we also got some, we got some new characters. Um, we got Raphael Castile in here i wasn't expecting to see him uh rafael castile um he he plays uh he played miles on uh blind spotting if you remember the movie blind spotting or the show blind spotting there was a show also on stars i didn't really care for it but i love i love the movie blind spotting blind spotting is a great movie with uh david diggs um uh who else is in that movie there's, there's a lot of like up and coming actors a lot of like Hamilton people in that movie too you know so <laughs> a lot of people from Hamilton in that movie uh and it and it, and it kind of plays like a like a like a hood play you know it's like a play in the hood there's not a lot of singing it's just a it's just some spoken word it's not like Lin-Manuel Miranda with all the singing it's like there's some spoken word in there also but if you haven't if you haven't seen Blind Spotting Watch Blind Spot and go see the movie. Like it's it's a great movie. I wish I wish I had this podcast and when I did and I could review that movie. Great fucking movie. I love that movie. But anyway, he's in here. Raphael Castile. I was surprised to see him here. I was like, yo, that's uh that's Miles from Blind Spot. Good for him. <laughs> Good to see him. He's a great actor. I like him. He needs more work. I like Raphael Castile. Um, my man, speaking of more work, my man, Kihu Kwan, Kihu Kwan is in here. Anytime I get to see Kihu Kwan is a great day, you know, like he's, he's amazing. He plays this uh, character named Obi. It's kind of like this, like shopkeeper of the TVA. Like he, he, he's got like a whole bunch of like his, his office looks like space Sanford and son, you know, <laughs> looks like a junkyard in space pretty much and he has like this he has like this um this swing that he comes down <laughs> it's really funny uh but yeah he's he's good in here too from the first episode i see kehu kwan is he's been killing it kehu kwan deserves all the jobs opie gets all the jobs after this uh actor strike is over um uh just bad that's a bad time because like he won an academy award and luckily he had some stuff in the can you know that could that could show off what a good how good of an actor he is uh so luckily he had some stuff like loki i think he had like a uh uh another show on disney plus with uh michelle yo that he had um they were they were teaming up again but um yeah but i just want this dude after the writer after the not the writer strike after the actor strike i just want this dude to get everything that's deserving of him because this man has been dormant for 30 years man yeah i think encino man was the last thing he was in in 1992 
Uh, this man has been dormant for 30 years. He he's he he's he been working his ass off trying to get back to where he was when he was when he was a, a teenager. And he just he just seems like a nice man, you know. Kehu Kwan just seems like a nice man. And I just I was talking about this when I was looking at him in Loki. I was like, I don't know how he managed to keep his innocence. Cause he, he seems like such a kind, nice, innocent man. You know, and in Hollywood, in life, I'm just gonna not even in Hollywood, in life, that's rare that you can be an adult and still keep your innocence. You know, and that's something that my that's something that my grandmother uh told me, used to always tell me. She said, no matter what people say, no matter what people do, no matter what people throw at you, don't let them steal your innocence. You know, <laughs> and Kihu Kwan uh did that. Like he no matter what he went through, he didn't let this world, he didn't let this life steal his innocence. And I admire him for that. And for that, he should be rewarded. Like, not only that, he he's a great actor too. He's a good actor. <laughs> like, he's not just oh, he kept his innocence. He should get jobs. No, he's he's actually good at what he does too. But like, he's good in this. I can't wait to see what else he does in here because he's in he's in this show. Like, he's in this show heavy. I thought he was just gonna be a cameo, and I was looking like, wow, he's 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 in here. He's in the show. But yeah, man. Um. Like I said, first episode, real good. We got like a little teaser of of Kang. We got a little teaser, like we didn't get Jonathan Majors. We just got like a uh, like a, a, a statue of him. Um, like I said, we're, we're like we're 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 going into we're going into new territory with with this with this. We're gonna we're just gonna see where this goes, man. Um. We got a stinger with Sylvie. Sylvie's still here. I forget that actress's name. I think her name, I think her name is like something DiMartino. I forgot her first name. <laughs> I think her last name is DiMartino. But I want to say her name is like Sophia DiMartino. I think they just use her name. Her name is Sophia DiMartino. I want to say that's her name. I might be wrong. Don't quote me on that. But yeah, man, I'm, I am enjoying... So far, I'm enjoying the show. Like, the first episode caught me. Like I said, not a big fan of season one. Season two looking good. Hopefully, it leads to something because that's been my problem with phase four and phase five of the MCU that it hasn't been leading to anything. Like, Secret Invasion pissed me the fuck off. I'm not gonna lie. <laughs> season Invasion pissed me off, man. Because... I thought that Secret Invasion was going to lead into uh, the Marvels. I thought it was going to lead into the Marvels. It didn't lead to shit. We got that shitty ass Super Scroll fight. They wasted the Super Scroll. One of the most powerful villains in the MCU. They wasted him. And they wasted him on Amelia Clark. You know, like a character that doesn't exist in the MCU. They wasted him on. I was like, man, like, like Secret Invasion pissed me the fuck off. It really did. Uh, hopefully, this this is a palate cleanser. Hopefully, this is a palate cleanser. Hopefully, it leads to something. Like I said, that's been my problem with the MCU is that it hasn't been leading the shit. 
Uh, I might do a phase four, phase five MCU uh, podcast, like the state of the MCU, like a state of the MCU. I don't know if I want to do it as a podcast. I don't want to know. I don't know if I want to do it as a YouTube video. I don't know if I want to just do a live on Twitch, Uh, but I'm going to figure it out. I'm going to figure it out and you guys will hear about it soon. But so far, I'm liking Loki season two, but I liked the first episode of Secret Invasion as well. So we're going to see where this goes. I will be back with my review of Elvira, Mistress of the Dark, after these messages. Want to talk tough movies? Here's a superhero with the biggest pair of all. You looking for me? There she was, just walking down the street singing. This Elvira is a slimy, slithering succubus. A concubine, a streetwalker, a trap. Yes, she's got it all. She's everything you've ever wanted in a movie. A woman and a casserole. You'll see lots of weird romance. What's that perfume you're wearing? Super unleaded. Don't smoke. Loads of drooling madness. Ew, I hope you change the sheets. Hey, Elvira, we got us a couple more volunteers. Great, just grab a tool and start banging. A whole gang of awesome monsters. I'm bad, Jamal, you know it. And a few sleazy experiments. There's nothing wrong with G-rated movies as long as there's lots of sex and violence. The charge is witchcraft. We gotta have one of these every year. See Elvira as Elvira, Mistress of the Dark. But if they ever ask about me, tell them I was more than just a great set of. It's the greatest double feature of all time. And welcome back to I Watch This As An Adult Movie Reviews. Elvira, Mistress of the Dark, from 1988. Let's get into the technical, shall we? This movie was directed by James Signorelli. I was looking at that name, and I was like, that sounds like the name of a guy that directs porn. <laughs> I was like, I don't know why. <laughs> like, like uh, porn, porn directors always got, like, Italian names. You know, it's just... James Signorelli sounds like somebody that just directs porn for like uh, Vivid Video or something like that. <laughs> he just sounds like that. But anyway, um, movie was written by Sam Egan, John Paragon, and Cassandra Peterson. The budget for this movie was $7.5 million. It only made $5 million at the box office, so it was a bomb. They didn't make all their money back. Uh, but yeah, let's get in, let's get into this movie uh but let's talk about how i like this movie as a kid let's talk about my thing for elvira uh i remember loving elvira as a kid like she was she was one of my first crushes it was her and it was jack a from 227 i don't know if i've told this story before 
But yeah, those were my two crushes at like five years old. It was Elvira and Jackie from 227. Uh, which is the reason why I like buxom women. You know, <laughs> it's the reason why I like just bodacious buxom women. You know, it's my it, it it's my type. That's what I like. Uh, but I also remember uh, Elvira being just a pop culture phenomenon in the late '80s, the early '90s. Like you couldn't go anywhere without seeing her. Like so. Her having a movie was a no-brainer. Uh, but how I saw this movie, I saw this movie on VHS, and I remember this being like one of the movies I watched on repeat as a kid. Like uh, I watched it. I think I watched this movie for like a whole summer. I want to say <laughs> I was at, I was on summer vacation, and I watched Elvira, Mistress of the Dark, like almost every day. <laughs> You know, that was one of those movies that I watched almost every day. Uh, that, because uh, like there's like three movies that I watched, just four movies that I watched almost every day. It was it was that, it was the Mighty Morphin Power Rangers movie, it was the Craft, and it was uh it was not Blank Check, uh, goddamn Jumanji. It was Jumanji. <laughs> like those are the four movies that I watched on repeat. Uh, as a kid back in the day uh, oh and uh, Mr. Nice Guy I liked Mr. Nice Guy you know? <laughs> that was as I got older Mr. Nice Guy, Jackie Brown was another one that I watched That's a, there's some, these are movies as I got older though Um, but yeah when I was a little kid it was Elvira Mistress of the Dark that was one I would watch a lot but we're gonna see how I feel about this movie as an adult but before we get into this review, before we get into this review, we must talk about the woman behind the character, Cassandra Peterson, because this woman has lived one hell of a life. I looked, I looked at her uh, bio, I looked up her bio, and like, I was like, this woman has lived like five lifetimes, you know? <laughs> She's lived a hell of a life, but let's talk about, let's talk about her, like, her beginnings uh she started dancing at 17 in her hometown of colorado springs colorado uh as a go-go dancer she was a go-go dancer at 17 years old then she moved to las vegas and became a showgirl uh, her first movie her first movie role was as a showgirl in the james bond movie diamonds are forever uh then she moved to italy and became the lead singer of a rock band. She became the lead singer of two rock bands, actually. I forgot the names of them, but like she became the lead singer of two rock bands. Then uh, there was another thing. She posed for a album cover, an uh, album cover for a, a singer named Tom Waits. Uh, it was an album, I think it came out in 1976, called Small Change. She posed for, for that uh, album cover. Uh, you can see her and you can see her on the album cover. Just look up Small Change 1976 Tom Waits and you'll see her like prominently on the album cover. Uh, she's there. She also posed for many adult magazines as she, as she worked at the uh, Playboy Club also. She worked at the Playboy Club and she posed for a lot of nude magazines. Until uh, finally in 1979 she joined the improv group The Famous improv group 
The Groundlings, which is where she developed the character that would become Elvira. Because Elvira wouldn't become a permanent thing for her until uh, 1950s horror hostess Malaya Numeri revived her iconic character Vampira. Uh, Malaya was retiring from uh, playing the character in the 80s. Uh, she wanted somebody to take over. Originally, she wanted uh, 70s black exploitation sex pot Lola Falana to take over the role, but the producers refused. Uh, that probably would have that would have been awesome. Like Elvira, or what would become Elvira? Or I guess she would have been the next Vampira. She would have been the next Vampira. Uh, that would have been awesome. She would have been a, a black woman. You know that. That'd have been dope, actually. I love Elvira, but they have a black a woman, a black goth woman, <laughs> like do this. That would have been that would have been awesome. But um, they refused, so there was a casting call, and uh, Cassandra Peterson she won the role, and Elvira was officially born. And that's how she she became a cultural icon after that, and then we got into this movie. Let's talk about the let's talk about the plot of this movie now. Let's talk about it. Um, I like how this movie starts off. Like it starts off like her late night show with a B movie. Like it's like a black and white B movie. I don't I I don't know what type of movie it was. I want to say I saw this movie as a kid. Like you know how you stay up late at night when you're not supposed to, and you see like these little these little B movies on TV. Back in the day, they used to show those a lot. I don't, they don't show those now, but back in the day, they used to show like B movies, black and white B movies, like all the time. They used to come on like two in the morning. <laughs> they used to come on at like, two in the morning. That was like B movie time. It was like two in the morning uh, on any channel. Uh, but yeah, but like it starts off with that. In a way, if you think about it, like Elvira was like the first like watch along commentator. She was like years ahead of like even like Mystery Science Theater 3000. I think that they just perfected it and like that's what all content creators mimic, including myself. You know, <laughs> including myself. Everybody is mimicking Mystery Science Theater 3000. But I believe that Elvira was the prototype because she would just shit on these movies. <laughs> She was shit on these movies. Like, no one ever talked about movies in real time like that before her. You have, you've had, like, movie reviewers. You've had critics. Siskel and Ebert. Gene Shalit. You know, like, you had those people. But nobody would just sit there, watch a movie. And just like openly just shit on it, you know, <laughs> you know, <laughs> and op- openly just give their thoughts in real time as they watch the movie. Like she was groundbreaking for that. And I think every YouTuber, everybody with a watch along, everybody that does watch along on YouTube, everybody that does watch along on Twitch or whatever platform you're on, I think we owe Elvira her flowers because she was the first to do this shit in the 80s 
Like she was doing it in the 80s. Like she was doing it on television. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Uh, Mystery Science Theater, like I said, they perfected the shit, but like she was the first. Um, let's talk about the character. Immediately, I like I fell back in love with this character. Like Cassandra Peterson plays this character with such sarcasm and quick wit. She's so quick witted. Uh, she owns her sexuality, which is something that wasn't prominent in the 1980s, but uh, something that wasn't prominent before, like maybe like 2015. You know, so you know, a woman that just owns her sexuality and she's not ashamed of it, and she's very much in control of her body, and she does what she wants to do with it. You know, so it, she's also surprisingly a very talented physical comedian. Like, she has a way of using sexuality for comedy, which that is a, a unique talent. Like, to be sexy and funny, like, you, you, you've never you've never really seen that before. But like I said, let's talk about the plot of this movie, shall we? Uh, Elvira finds out that she has a great aunt that died and left her an inheritance. So she goes and travels to a small town to collect the money or what she thinks is money. <laughs> Cause like that's her big that's her big thing, her big spiel before the movie uh in the beginning of the movie when she finds out that she has a great aunt that has inheritance. She thinks she's getting all this money. She's like, oh my God, I'm getting all this money. You know, like she thought she was gonna get like a new car and she was gonna get like a new house and she was gonna be living it up on 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 in Palm Springs or whatever the fuck, you know <laughs> she thought she was gonna be living it up. So she goes over there and thinks she gets she's gonna get all this money. Uh, the town that she goes to is like very leave it to beaver like. Uh, they don't take too well to Elvira's aesthetic, let's say. Uh, most of the town, especially the women, they think she's like a sex demon that's come to steal all the men and poison all the children. Uh, really, it's really all the women that have a problem with her because most of the most of the men just want to have sex with her like, like <laughs> every man that comes across her wants to bang her you know <laughs> every man it like it never fails the only guy that doesn't want to fail that doesn't want to really bang her is the guy that she's into uh she has a thing for this meathead dude named bob who runs the local movie theater and like he kind of has like this g golly wild personality to him and it's like he's totally oblivious to like Elvira's advances on him, you know. Like he's just like I don't know, well, I don't know. but you know, like and like because like he's like the only guy that doesn't look at her as a sex object. Like he's just he's just a nice guy that wants to be friendly to her, but like she wants to she wants to she wants to jump on him, you know. Like, <laughs> she wants she wants to bang him. But then we uh, meet the villain of this movie, Vincent Talbot, who uh, wants the inheritance all to himself. Um, you look at him, and he's like the run-of-the-mill, like evil sorcerer guy. Like he has like this snooty British accent, and he also he also looks like Gargamel from the Smurfs. Whenever I look at him, I think Gargamel. <laughs> Like he, I was like, he reminds me of Gargamel from the Smurfs. That's who he reminds me of. 
But uh, Elvira ends up getting her aunt's house, uh, her aunt's dog, and a book of recipes, quote unquote, uh, which is what Vince Vincent wanted. Because surprise, the book is magic. Like it's got magical spells in it, and you come to find out that. Elvira comes from a long line of witches and sorcerers. That's where she comes from. Um, uh, let's talk about. They got, there's some other characters in this movie. We also got like a, a couple of side characters in this movie. Like there's like these three horny teenage boys, which I don't even know their names. They're just three horny teenage boys, and all they want to do is just see Elvira naked. You know, like that's all they want to do. Um, then you got this girl named Robin who kind of takes Elvira on as a mentor. You got the owner of the local bowling alley, Patty, who's like Elvira's rival. She also has a thing for Bob, so like they're kind of like in a they're kind of like in a tug of war about Bob. Uh, but then you have Chastity Pariah, who is played by Edie McClung, who is a '80s uh character actress icon to me like she's any like 80s movie Edie McClung has probably been in uh but like Chastity Pariah is a Karen to the 10th degree like she's the real villain if you ask me like she looks like uh the type of woman that would get like black men hung that's what she looks like she looks like that uh if that character is alive today she definitely voted for Trump uh, yeah, that, but whatever voodoo that Vincent is doing, like chastity is the real problem. Like if you, because like if you ask me, it's the supernatural elements of this movie that bring the movie down a notch. I was like, the fun part about this movie is Elvira dealing with all these hating ass bitches. You know, like that's more entertaining than any sorcerer fight. You know, and, like because like I know this is supposed to be a horror comedy, but the horror part is the least interesting thing in this whole movie and like most of that stuff doesn't come into like the tail end of the movie it's like they almost forgot like they were making a horror comedy they were like oh yeah yeah we got we got we got put some horror shit in there like go throw throw some horror shit in there like some half-ass horror shit in there (laughs) like so we can meet the quota of being a horror comedy uh it, even Vincent, like, we don't even see Vincent again until the climax of the movie. Like, that character kind of gets shafted. Because, like I said, Chastity Pariah is the main villain. She's the real villain. You're gonna meet more Chastity Pariahs in life than you're gonna than you're ever gonna meet Vincent Talbot's. You know, like <laughs> Vincent Talbot is fantasy. He's not real. Chastity Pariah is very real she's in our everyday lives so i think that she is the main villain and not vincent uh but overall i think this movie is still hilarious i like this movie i had a lot of fun watching it uh elvira as a character she kept me invested into this whole movie uh, I think they they kind of shaft a couple of characters like uh, Robin. Like we don't really get to see the evolution of Robin because uh, Robin kind of comes into her own as a woman, you know, and it just pops up out of nowhere. Like we don't see Elvira like spend time with her because she kind of takes Elvira on as a mentor, but we really don't see the evolution of her uh, uh, hanging around Elvira. 
uh, like the like I said, like these these other like three teenage boys. We really don't know them. They're just there, you know. <laughs> but <laughs> even like Patty gets a little shafted. Like she's there, and she's supposed to be a rival, but like she's got like maybe what three four scenes in the whole movie. You know, that's it. She's also like eye candy. You know, she's also eye candy because she's got like big titties too. But you know, so like <laughs> that's that. Um. But yeah, man. Uh, like I said, another thing that brings this down is like the horror elements. The horror elements don't really do it for me. Like it takes the movie down a bit, not a lot, but a bit. But I still recommend you watch this movie. If you've never seen Elvira, Mistress of the Dark, I recommend you watch Elvira, Mistress of the Dark because it's still a fun movie. It's still fun. Surprisingly. I give it a four out of five. I had a lot of fun with this movie. I would, I would return to it. I very much would return to it. Uh, join me next week when I will be reviewing. I know I, I promised you guys this. It's, it's coming next week. Don't, don't. It's coming. Like that's what I'm saying. It's coming. It's coming next week. But 2000 Final Destination is coming next week. So until next time, peace.